Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Small doses of help from the hip. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Nancy Seals. It's so funky. <laughs> ah, it's that time of year, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. Holiday merriment, reveling and cheer. That's right. It's side effects of the holidays. I feel like we should make this an annual event, like a side effects of the holidays episode, because I feel like it's going to change every year. And we're not just talking about like just Christmas or just Hanukkah or just Kwanzaa. No, we're talking about just this time of the year in general, whether you celebrate or not has many a side effect, okay? Many a side effect. And I think that, like, not all the side effects are necessarily positive, but I think that's the assumption, and that's what causes the negative side effects. Because there's definitely this kind of, like, it's the the holidays, holidays, everybody everybody better better be fucking happy, or else you're a Grinch. You're a Grinch. You're a Grinch said in the same tone as Dave Chappelle when he does his bit about Oscar the Grouch. You're a grouch, Oscar. You're a grouch. Well, I live in a fucking trash can. Yeah, you'd be grumpy too. <laughs> Unbelievable. Dave Chappelle, comedian with a comedy special. You know who else is a comedian with a comedy special? Rebecca? That's right. You all can't see, but she pointed at me. Actually, before we get into that gem drop, What I'd like to do is give you all some of my favorite Christmas songs over the course of this episode. First, we'll begin with a classic, the Black People Christmas song of old, Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. And this Christmas will be a very special Christmas for me. This is that time of year where people should just be celebrating uh, that we made it through another goddamn year. But, and celebrating the lives of those who did not make it through another goddamn year. But then you have folks who get very particular about how you celebrate this time of year. So I felt like it was time to do a gem droppery. Christmas cheer versus holiday cheer, a.k.a. religious Religious Christmas Christmas versus American Christmas. Now, if you grew up in America, then you have experienced Christmas in a number of different ways. I know people who are Jewish that had a Christmas tree. Legit. Because they were just like, it's not really a Christmas tree. It's a holiday tree. I've literally seen a holiday tree in someone's home with like menorahs and dreidels and snowflakes on it. Cause it was like, we're getting the best of everything. We're here. We're in the, we came from the old world. We're here. 
We're going to spin the straddle and we're going to celebrate on this tree. This is now a dreidel tree. And I'm just like, do you? But then you have people who are like, no, Christmas is for Christians. And I'm not saying that it's not. I'm not saying that it isn't a holiday that is derived from the Christian religion. But I think we can all agree that it is expanded beyond that. And that's something that happens in America. We commercialize holidays. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the holiday doesn't hold value in the way that it does anymore to those people, but it somehow kind of gives access to other people. And it also gives access to other people's wallets. And that is another thing, right? Because I know that like, I don't buy Christmas decorations that are religious because for me, Christmas at this point is not about the holiday related to the birth of Jesus, the baby Jesus. Away in a manger, no room for a bed. But it is become a time of year that is like dedicated to me to like a certain experience. So for me, Christmas time is holiday time. It's just a good time to have good feelings. And there's been times in my life where like holiday time didn't spark good feelings. It was more so like I'm lonely as shit or I'm broke as shit and I can't even buy presents. Or my mom has stopped getting me good presents because she don't know what to buy me and she's low-key depressed about her retirement. And so she's buying me bullshit and I have to pretend that I like it because I'm not somebody who was raised rude. But we all know that I can't hide shit from my face. So I got to pretend like I like this Star Wars t-shirt that she got me that has C-3PO and R2-D2 sitting in lawn chairs. Why would I wear this? Why would you buy it for me? Because you're not thinking. Now, a year later, my mom did admit, yeah, I was I was whack with the gifts. I admit, I was whack with the gifts. I wasn't being thoughtful. I was just buying shit to buy it. So, you know, it was, there was like an admission that was given, even though I was absolutely lambasted for having any type of reaction to the fact that like, don't waste your money. Just don't get me anything if you're going to buy trash. And I know some of y'all are like, damn, Damn, Amanda's ungrateful. It's like, no, I'm practical, y'all. I'm practical and I'm objective. I'm just like, don't waste your money if you're just going to buy BS. Just buy me one thing that you know I'll like, which nine times out of 10 is going to be something related to Harry Potter or Star Wars or Star Trek. And again, that you know I'll like. And even now we can add Black Panther. You can pretty much buy me anything Black Panther. And I'm like, gold, gold. Nonetheless, I I digress. When it comes down to these holidays, it can get a little tricky because Christmas has now become like bastardized in some people's eyes in terms of just like what it's all about. And I think that there's also even people who take it another step further and are like, y'all are over here celebrating the birth of baby Jesus and he didn't even have his birth at this time of year. Like this wasn't even the actual when he was born. It changes every year because like there's people, I'm not even going to go any further because I don't know the full like truth about that. But there are people who do. And they be feeling some type of way. Like you guys in your fucking Roman Gregorian calendar, blah, 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 blah. You know, like those are the same people who when Valentine's comes around, they're like, oh, this is so preposterous. But those are the same people who when it's time to like fight for something like Black Lives Matter or women's reproductive rights are very conspicuously silent. So if you're going to like die on a hill, you know, die for something other than like fighting against holiday cheer, right? Holiday cheer at this point is about just celebrating the essence of the time of year where religious, where religions are celebrating important births and important uh, rituals 
for the Jews. This is Hanukkah, and it is when you celebrate the festival. Isn't it the Festival of Lights? And basically, you know, as the song says, we're lighting the menorah for the ones that came before us, right? And there's a, a whole, I mean, I've definitely seen Hanukkah the movie, and I'm just like, it's it's like eluding me right now what it's really all about. Rebecca, you're a good Jew. What is, <laughs> shaking your head, nope. Um, what is Hanukkah celebrating? Summing it up for us is Rebecca saying there was a conflict and this was a nice thing that happened. A good, nice Jewish boy. A mitzvah. A mitzvah. Mazel. Um, And so there's that. Then you have Kwanzaa, which celebrates seven principles. Now, remember, Kwanzaa is a cultural holiday, not a religious holiday. Cultural in that it is supporting Pan-Africanism and the, the togetherness of the black community. So it's not to say that you have to be American or that you have to be black to celebrate it. But it is to say that if you do celebrate it, what you are celebrating is black community through the seven principles. And the seven principles are written in Swahili, which is the most spoken uh, African language in the world. And the principles are Umoja, which is unity. Then Kujijagulia, which is self-determination. Then Ujima, which is collective work and responsibility. Ujama, which is cooperative economics. Nia, which is purpose. Kumba, which is creativity. And Imani, faith. And it was created by Milana Karenga in 1965. And, you know, it's still practiced. And I feel like Kwanzaa is something I really would like to be more real about because the principles as they are celebrated is similar to Hanukkah where every day you celebrate a specific principle. Like they they have a menorah, like a Hanukkah menorah. And you light a candle and you talk about how these principles um, speak to you and your experience and you exchange gifts around that. And I just think that that would be something super dope to have like when I have a family or when my friends and I decide to act like we are a family because we don't have families of our own. So <laughs> there's that. Um, but the hard part is like once you're an adult, you're like, damn, I have to see you seven days in a row. Is that even possible? Nonetheless, I say all that to say that the holiday time has a lot of meaning for different people in different religious and cultural sects, but then that carries over to those of us who may not even align ourselves with any of those different spaces, and it creates just an aura, an air, a vibe, an essence of holiday vibe that, for what it's worth, everybody should be able to partake in. And I know for me, I love the fact that like I have grown up in a house that like really decorated for the holidays inside. My mom wasn't like an outside person, but like inside there were always figurines and nutcrackers and, you know, the nutcracker suite was always playing and we always got a Christmas tree and everybody knows, well, everybody doesn't know this, but you should know that my mom always does a themed Christmas tree. One year, the classic year that everyone uh, who has been on my Instagram for a while now has seen is that my mom had a year where she put a giant swordfish on the Christmas tree. And the rest of the tree was covered in fish. And I asked her, what's this about? And she said, the The theme theme is is under the the sea. sea. Under the sea. We've had various themes since then. We've had a theme year. One year was just all shoes, all different shoe ornaments. We've had the jungle uh, where it was all different animals. We have had a Southwestern Christmas where it was all like... Cacti and cowboys and then there was like Native American, like literal, like genuine Native American ornaments that she got when she was driving through Arizona. Last year it was a Smart, Funny and Black Christmas. She had literally gotten Smart, Funny and Black ornaments made and hung them all over the tree. So who knows what the theme is this year, but I'll be going home shortly and I 
can't wait. And I am like very much about rituals. So I hope my mom knows that like it's expected. Because she's been trying to pull like, oh, I didn't know that you expected me to cook when you came home type shit lately. And I'm like, why are we, what are we trying to do here? What are we trying to do here? That said, religious cheer, holiday cheer, whatever cheer, at the end of the day, I think a lot of us consider this time of year to be about kind of just like overlooking certain grievances after you air them out during your festivus for the rest of us and attempting to just be in a good place. And I know that that can feel like pressure for a lot of people who maybe not are not in a good place. I know that can feel like pressure to like have to be with your family, et cetera. But really this is the time of year to make it whatever you want it to be in terms of just finding peace in the fact that a year is done, a new year is approaching and take a breath to reflect. That's the cheer that we're talking about, whether religious or holiday. Last Christmas Side note, there's a growing uh, movement of individuals who want to sound smart on Instagram. So they, you know, are making videos and doing posts. And I'm all for exploring uh, thought and conversation, uh, but not under the guise of pseudo-intellectualism. So if you don't really know what you're talking about, don't talk about it. Merry Christmas. Also, uh, to all the white people and people who happen to be white that are listening, your assignment is to go see if Beale Street could talk. That goes for the engineer and producer in this room. Your assignment, your white bubble popping assignment is to go see if Beale Street could talk by James Baldwin. The fil- the book is by James Baldwin. The film is directed by Barry Jenkins, who is the uh, Oscar award winning director of Moonlight. You know, this required reading. Actually, I am. That's one of the gifts I'm getting my mom for Christmas because my mom is not from here. So, you know, there's a lot of like black American texts that she just never came across. And so I'm getting her a box of uh, required reading. So people ask me all the time, like literally all the time. Amanda, give us a book list. You know what? Here's a good time for me to give you a book list since it's the time of year to be giving out presents. So some classics. James Baldwin, The Fire Next Time. W.E.B. Du Bois, Souls of Black Folk. If you've never read it, read Malcolm X's autobiography, which was as told to Alex Haley, so there's kind of some wishy-washy shit in there, but it's still a good read. Also, Elaine Brown's autobiography, A Taste of Power, about her time with the Black Panthers. Another banger, Caucasia by Danzy Senna. Not nonfiction, but a good one. Also, another great one to read, Homegoing by Ya Gyasi. It's going to break your entire soul. However, Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. You think you saw the movie, but the book is different. Read Alice Walker's A Color Purple. Another one that you got to get in there. Walking with the Wind, the autobiography of John Lewis and his work with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. I need you to also, while you're out there picking up some books, do yourself a favor and cop Man Child in the Promised Land by Claude Brown. 
And last but not least, and this is by no means a comprehensive list, but these are just some basic like African-American literature 101 books, you know, that you should just know and have. You gotta read Sam Greenlee's The Spook That Sat By The Door. I've read a lot of books, but these are ones that I feel just kind of give you a solid kind of foundation of uh, like black literature as it has evolved over the first hundred years of our freedom in this country. Um, I'm by no means, like I said, is this comprehensive? And I'm sure some people are listening and like, but how come you didn't include Richard Wright, native son? And how come you didn't include Invisible Man? And it's not to say that those are not also like very important pieces of text. Like some people are going to be like, how come you didn't include, you know, Kane or Quicksand and Passing? All of these, whether they're from the Harlem Renaissance or the Black Arts Movement, you know, uh, they are important texts. But I'm just giving people like a rounded kind of overview of stuff so that you can enter and exit as you please in terms of this list and you know expand as you go but these are the books that I'm getting my mom because my mom is a bibliophile and as her daughter she is absolutely like been exposed to an incredible amount of black American culture and you know history and literature etc but I feel like there's certain texts that like I only was exposed to because I was purposely going after that education in school and my mom didn't have that education in her school I guess we should get back to the episode I mean this is all part of the episode because it's the gift of knowledge let's get into these DMTs First question, how long should you wait before inviting your situationship to a holiday function? I'm going to stop you there. Uh, You shouldn't invite anyone that's considered a situationship to a holiday function. If you're in a relationship, then yes. A situationship, by my definition, is a situation that feels like a relationship without any of the obligations, responsibilities, or accountability of a relationship. Therefore, it's usually some fuck shit. But I digress. Should the first invitation extended to a significant other be to a work or family holiday function? What are the best steps to initiate significant other into a family holiday function and or work holiday function? Well, let's start with the first part of the question. A work or a family holiday function? Well, I think that really depends on which is the easier situation to manage, right? Because like if you are in a work situation where like, you kind of are stressed at work or like maybe you have people that you have to do like a lot of dancing (laughs) around at work. It may be like not the best scenario to like have to bring someone into that scenario who has to like manage it as well, you know, because then the repercussions are if they mismanage it, you don't have a job. So maybe like that's not the best scenario. But if you have a work scenario where it's kind of like, everybody's cool, it's just more of like a big-ass party function, then that might be the best because you're bringing them in, but they don't have to feel like so watched and they don't have to feel like they necessarily are on their P's and Q's in the same way. The pressure, I would say, is less. And I would think that that's probably much more often the case with a work function than a family function because I feel like the pressure at a family function is the likeliness of that being higher on a family side than a work side is, is more. Because your family, depending Depending on what what they're they're like, like, I mean, it's probably a smaller scenario, right? Like you're probably at a family home, which by nature, like if you've been raised right, if you're going into someone's family home, there's pressure just off top. 
Like, I always say that we all start the Negro National Anthem like we're at our man's mama's house for the first time because when you go to your man's mama's house for the first time, you always have a certain sense of, like, I need to be poised. I need to be pulled up. Heavy manners. Legs crossed. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Would you like me to wash the dishes? You don't want to wash the fucking dishes, but you offer because you've been raised right and that's what you're supposed to do. So I think that I would say probably the work function is the first one. Family function is like, is this who you really, really with? And I don't know. I mean, it's also like, how well do you know your family? Are they going to really like be cool? Or are they going to put this person through the gauntlet and make them feel some type of way? Because especially like, let's say like you're dating a white girl and your family is not with it. And then that's going to be dealt with. Or let's say that like you're dating a black man and you're Jewish and your family's not with it. For several reasons. Not only is he not Jewish, he's a black man. And then your argument can be, okay, yeah, but that's closer to being Jewish than if he was just a straight goy. Right? right? We all know about oppression in here. Am I right? Am I right? L'chayam. And he would be like, hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like there's ways around that, but it's a lot trickier than at work where you just kind of like can go in your cubicle and make out. I would say that at a holiday function, when it has to do with your work, the best way to initiate is like be very intentional about how you introduce that person. Don't be like, oh, this is my friend or this is Nancy. You better say who the fuck Nancy is because that's going to determine how everybody treats them. So if you say this is my friend, Nancy's going to get hit on. Okay. And then Nancy's going to be put in a scenario where she's got to like fend off Bill in accounting. And now, like, you're on the side. Like, it's just like, let's just make everybody's life easier and be like, this, this is, is my, my girlfriend, girlfriend, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Everybody knows. Hands off. And also, don't ask Nancy no personal fucking questions. In a family scenario, same thing. Be clear about who you're bringing and why they're there. This, this is, is my boyfriend, boyfriend. Barack. Barack. All right? <laughs> Everybody knows. That this, this is how it goes. Now, the doozy is that you need to do some pre-planning with the family. You know your family. Barack don't know your family. You know your crazy auntie. You know your nosy auntie. You know your drunk auntie. On both sides, there's going to be some pre-prep that will take place. You're going to tell Barack, auntie, auntie Gloria is a drunk. At approximately 8.35, she's going to start being unruly. Don't take it personal. Nobody does. It's just the way it goes. Auntie Tanti, yes, that's her name. Auntie Tanti. We know it's dumb, but we are West Indian and our, our nicknames don't be making no sense. Now, Auntie Tanti is nosy. She's going to be asking you personal questions. She might even go as far as to ask you for your blood type. Don't be concerned. She's not trying to offend you and she's also not a vampire. Really, she just wants to know because she wants to make sure that you're the right person for me, but also because she likes to know everything to possibly use it against you later. And lastly, there is Auntie Cynthia. Auntie Cynthia is very highfalutin. She thinks she's better than everybody. She's going to be inquiring about your education level. She's going to be inquiring about your position at work. This is not to say that she's asking about this to see if you're good enough for me. She's simply trying to find out if she's still better than you. Now that you know, you can walk in and understand how to have a good time, okay? And then you do that with your aunties. And the easy way to do that with your aunties is watch Watch your mouth. mouth. Don't Don't ruin ruin this for me. me. If If you you want want nieces and nephews, nephews, 
be on cue. And they're going to act brand new. They're going to be like, what? Me? I never know what you're talking about. I would never do that. I find you damn rude. I mean, that is really fresh of you to say. And you both know, and they both know. And y'all going to do this little fake dance, but we've all drawn a line in the sand. Or in the mistletoe, I should say. Next question. How bad should I, in parentheses, not feel if I don't get my nieces and nephews or anyone for that matter, anything for Christmas? I don't have any children, just a dog whose name is Sun. I'm 36, recently retired medically from Air Force after 17 years. I'm not broke, broke, but I obviously live with my mother for a reason, to save money. And I'm in school full time too. I don't think you should feel bad about not getting them gifts, but I do think you already feel bad. And that's why you're asking me this because you're just like, do I, am I a jerk for not feeling bad? Because you feel like there's a part of you that does kind of feel bad. Here's the thing. There's a happy medium in here. I think when it boils down to it, like gifts don't always have to be something that you bought with money. And there's something to be said for thoughtfulness. Um, I, you know, don't know how like creative you are, but there's making things. And then there's also like, hey, y'all know I'm broke. So let's not even front. But what I did is I got each of you like a a poem that I, that I feel like speaks to you. Or I have a song or you make mixtapes for everybody. Like I think that, or you can make like YouTube playlists for everybody. Like there's a certain level of thoughtfulness that can happen that doesn't have to require like physically spending money. And sometimes... At the end of the day, if you can't even muster up that, it's just like, y'all, to be honest, my shit is not together. And I was unable to acquire anything for y'all because I'm still trying to get my shit together for myself. Uh, We'll be back on, you know, in years to come. But for this year, I'll just give everybody a happy Christmas. So should you feel bad? Eh. Sounds like you got a lot that you're working on that you should save your energy for. Next question, why does the holiday season sometimes bring a bit of sadness? You know, I think that that really boils down to the fact that there's so much emphasis placed on like, be with family, be with family, be with family, be with family. And like, if you don't have family or you don't like your family or maybe you and your family are estranged, it can feel lonely and it can make you feel like you don't have love. And I think that's what the sadness is. There's definitely an overarching energy that comes along with the holiday times that says that this is the time to spend with the ones you love. There's literally songs that say, these are the times to spend with the one you love. I don't know if that's an actual song, but it sounded holiday-ish, didn't it? And like you could hear like the doom, 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 that was going along around it. And so it, it just puts you in a, in a place. I think if you live in a cold climate, then it's also like you're dealing with seasonal depression too because the skies are a little more gray. It's cold. You know, sometimes like the snow is keeping you inside. So you got cabin fever that you're dealing with. Then you come along with like the whole gift giving shit. You know, the last question was about like, damn, should I feel bad if I just don't got it to give to my family? Hey, you know... No, you shouldn't feel bad if you don't got it. It's different if you got it and you don't want to give to them because you're just like, fuck them, you know? And especially if you're receiving from them and you're not giving, then that's kind of like, ooh, what's with the situation with that? But 
I think that there's like so many different entry points to sadness that happen at the holidays that it's like hard to dodge. It literally is like you're playing a video game and you're like, family cheer, pew, you know, and it's like seasonal depression, pew, and then, oh, you broke, oh, you can't pay, you don't get, you can't buy no gifts, pew, and then it comes all the way back around to be like, oh, you ain't got no family to give you gifts, pew, pew. I mean, it's real. It's real. And I think that some ways to help uh, deal with this are to volunteer. Because when you're giving, it can be very helpful to your psyche and to your endorphins. So, you know, maybe go volunteer at a shelter, uh, go volunteer with some kids who also are in your same situation, who don't have family. And there's a lot of folks this time of year who would love to spend it with anybody, not just somebody they know, but just with somebody who cares to be with them. And that's the, that can be the elderly. Um, and if you don't like people, go spend it with some animals. You know, because then there's a lot of people who board their animals uh, for the holidays. And so when you go to like certain animal boarding and vet places, like they want volunteers to come and help them like feed the animals and play with the animals so that they're not just cooped up in the cages. So there's also that. And then if you're somebody who like wants the solitude, but is still like, damn, I'm still lonely. Maybe like go take in some art, you know, go to museums, go see the Nutcracker, go, um... You know, and when I say museums, I don't just mean art museums. There's all different kinds of museums. You know, there's musical instrument museums, there's cultural museums, etc. And a lot of these museums are really empty at this time of year because other people are doing other things that are more like traditional. So you have the space to yourself to really kind of explore and take things in without the rush. So... I always talk about like just the solutions on the show because I feel like as I've been growing up and finding my own way, like there were so many times where I was in these exact situations and there was nothing being told to me on how to manage it. Like I would be like bawling on July 4th because I have no one to spend fucking July 4th with, even though it's a pussy ass, bitch ass, pointless ass holiday. It's just like pressed upon you that you better be at a fucking barbecue. You don't have a sparkler? Where's your gosh darn sparkler? This is about America. And it's like, I, I don't. I don't even have anyone to bring a sparkle to my eye. But with your but if you're listening, like, know that you're not alone. And if you're and and you know what, you know what? Here's another thing you can do during this holiday time to like pass the time. Listen to fucking small doses. We got a whole year of episodes that you can binge that you can make you feel like you're not alone. Binge Game of Thrones. We all got to get ready for April anyway. Winter is coming. No. Winter is here. Next question. My parents are conservative. I'm a Democrat. And the people that are coming over are Democrats. They talk about politics 24-7, and it don't end well. What should I do? I would invest in some Apple ear pods. That way you can be present, but tune out. Also, are there kids in the house? You should get really good at playing with kids and just be the cool uncle or the cool dad or the cool cousin or the cool bro, man. and Be over there with them kids or invest in a Wii. Bring a Wii or some type of board game to the situation and maybe you can divert the conversation by having folks involved in some other form of togetherness. And then depending on how bold you are, you can make a declaration once you arrive that says, listen, every year 
we all get together and it ends up in negativity because you all believe this thing and we all believe that thing. And the reality is, is that we're not changing each other's minds because we've tried every year. So how about this year? We change how we approach spending the holiday together. Maybe you don't want to confront like in that bold of a manner, in which case send a paperless post, get everybody's email, write it out, let them know. I don't want to spend my holidays talking about this depressing shit that is dividing our country and that divides us every time we gather. So how about we find something else to talk about and then provide a list? Who is the real king of R&B? Which is the best Christmas album? Argue about some shit that don't matter. And nine times out of 10, you're going to end up in laughter. I don't know, guys, but I feel like I'm giving out great advice on this episode. I mean, I know that I, I do my thing. Okay, I do my thing. But I feel like for talking off the top of my head, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little something. Let's just do one more. Let's just do one more. Do we have time, Bex? Let's just do one more. My family loves to spend time together during the holidays. My boyfriend and I want to go away for a friend's Christmas. How do my boyfriend and I tell our families we just want to go on vacation during the holidays without them bitching to me without about it? I mean, I think, you know, when they're bitching to you about it, you'll be on your holiday. So like, fuck it, whatever. I mean, it's just a byproduct of the situation. You know, sometimes we just like want the outcome without the bullshit that comes with the outcome. But sometimes like that's just a byproduct of you getting what you want. And now what you've done is you've just taken the L this year to let them know that this is a possibility that could happen. And you don't want, what you really don't want to do is like be on some like, fuck y'all, because who knows if that boyfriend's going to be around next year and you're going to be right back with your family. And they'll be like, oh, where's Marcus? Last year was all about Marcus. Oh, I want to go to Costa Rica with Marcus for Christmas. Oh, me and Marcus is going to be eating avocados in San Juan in Christmas. And now here you are back with your little old family eating us a patty pie. And then you got to just eat that and the pie. So... I would say the easiest thing to do is simply just tell them like, hey, you know, uh, we have friends that want to do Christmas on a different situation and I would like to try it. It's not to say I don't love y'all. It's not to say that you guys aren't like my heart and soul. You know that. But I really would just like to take this different route and I hope you guys don't charge me up too much about it. And then you send the gifts ahead of time. And you put notes on the gifts that they read while you are not there. And you call, or better yet, face tempo, the day of Christmas. So you still basically show them that, like, you haven't forgotten about them. You're simply just doing something different. Because that's what it really is. It's like they don't want to feel forgotten. They don't want to feel like you've prioritized anybody over them. You're just trying something new, but it's not because you don't fuck with them. It's because you want to see what's up with this. Figure that out, and you should be fine. You're still going to get bitched at, but it might just, like, lower the bitch quotient. For today's people I like, 
we're dedicating it to the movies I like that are holiday cheer filled with people dealing with these holidays the best way they can. Film number one. Of course, I could not start this list without the movie of the holidays and people having to deal with it. That is right. The classic Home Alone. Starring Macaulay Culkin as the scrappy young latchkey kid, Kevin McAllister. He was dropping gems. He was brushing his teeth to music by the Drifters. He was doing wildly creative tactics to get rid of these very, very baseline IQ level uh, burglars. And he was bringing a weird, creepy old man back to being friends with his son so that he could see his granddaughter. Kevin was busy. And what I also appreciate about Kevin was him making sure that the toothbrush that he purchased was approved by the American Dental Association. Because somewhere in my memory, I'm still getting over bad breath that I smelt in 2018. Freeze your disease rhinoceros pizzle. No, that is a quote from Coming to America. What I really wanted to say is, you're what the French call les incompetents. Oh, jeez. So uh, I don't want to go too far into Home Alone because I'll end up doing the entire movie. Let's go into my next people I like. I love the people of the film, The Preacher's Wife. How can you go wrong? Courtney B. Vance, Denzel Washington, Jennifer Lewis, and of course, uh, the incomparable Miss Whitney Houston. Now, Whitney as an actress is very underrated. I know that Whitney was such an incredible singer that people don't give her her props as an actress, but she did her damn thing in The Bodyguard. She did her damn thing in Waiting to Exhale, and she did the damn, damn. Thug Fizzle in this film, A Preacher's Wife. And she also had a great soundtrack. What? Everybody say joy, 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 joy to the world. No to the world. I mean, come on. And when she sings, I love the Lord. I mean, and of course, she sings, I believe in miracles. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on, on. But what I really love about The Preacher's Wife was that it's really just a, like a holiday family film, but without feeling like it's cheesy. It just doesn't feel cheesy. And when you watch it as an adult, any level of cheese that there is more so just feels like warm sugar plum fairy tea. And it's Denzel. And I just think that we don't get to see like black holiday films that aren't like stereotypical. It seems like this always like, here's a black family that has a lot of people that are going to eat a lot of fattening food that might possibly give them diabetes and they're going to fight about some fuck shit. Every movie is this. And this was a black holiday film that didn't do that, but was still black. And that I loved about A Preacher's Wife, The Preacher's Wife. Lastly, no, I'm not going to say A Christmas Story. I know you thought I was going to say The Christmas Story because everyone says, you'll shoot your eye out. I know that's what you thought I was going to say. But that's not what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is Love Actually. Oh, my God. Love Actually? Emma Thompson? The late, great Alan Rickman? <sighs> Snape. How can you not love Love Actually? It is an incredible holiday film that threads together the lives of all these different people from all different walks of London. 
You know, even from the dodgy end. Right. And then you got Hugh Grant dancing to the Pointer Sisters. There's levels to this film. There's a child whose mother recently passed away, but now he's falling in love with a young black girl who can sing her ass off. I mean, all they want for Christmas is you. And then she points to him. This is film, you all. This is cinema. When Emma Thompson opens the present and it's not the jewelry, but it's the fucking Joni Mitchell CD. Oh my God. These are the real stories of holiday cheer and holiday fears. Okay? So long before Shorty was on Ozark, she was in this film about to get her brains fucked out by a very handsome Brazilian man. Yeah. Laura Linney. LL acting it up. But I think that's the underrated part of this film. Like, it's like it's a holiday movie, so people are kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. But the cast of Love Actually, top a notch. Top notch. Top. All right? Top. And we've got like multiple Harry Potter like alum in one film. So there you go. Those are the people I like. The characters of these films. And just as a bonus, the animated film, Arthur Christmas. Some of you are like, what is she talking about? Arthur Christmas, not really a big box office smash, but one of my favorite new holiday films about the the unloved child of Santa Claus. Not that he was unloved, let's not say that. But he was basically kind of like the dopey one who wore the ugly Christmas sweater, but he turned out to be the one who had enough love to save Christmas. And they're all speaking in British accents, which always makes it better. Thanksgiving, I had a boyfriend and I went to his house for Thanksgiving. Now, the thing about this was that I had already met his brothers. I had already met his mother and I'd already met his father. So I did not really think this was going to be like anything scary or weird. I went in, you know, having been raised properly. I was, of course, manners, poise, politeness. I was not ready. His family, they are black American. um, And they have like, their family specifically had like specific culture, like specific uh, traditions that I didn't know and that we don't necessarily share as West Indians and that I don't actually consider to be uh, like a necessarily like black American tradition either because when I have spent uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving with black American friends or family, we We don't don't do do this this shit either. either. But nonetheless... First of all, when I get there, there's like specific seat placements of who sits where at the table. Now, I've seen the kids' table before, yes. But at the adult table, there was like a hierarchy of where to sit. Obviously, like the father of the house like sits at the head of the table. That doesn't surprise me. But then there was like rules upon which we sat. So like we had to wait to be told where to sit. Because we're not kids, but we're not like full adults and we're not married. So we also like don't sit next to each other. 
Very specific, right? Because right. I might get, get pregnant, pregnant passing the turkey. turkey. Then after we eat, we all leave the table. I think we're going into the family room to now watch the football game. So I sit down and then I realize that I'm the only woman in the room. It's then made clear to me that that is because the women go sit in one room after we eat and the men sit in another room. And my boyfriend at the time whispers this into my ear and I'm just like, "Uh, but I want to sit here. And he's like, it's just not how we do things. So I'm like, you know what? When in fucking Rome. Okay. When in Rome. So I go into the women's room. There's a hierarchy here because you're only allowed to sit on a chair if you are a mother. If you are not a mother, you have to sit on the floor. I learned this because I sat on a chair and was told I'm not a mother, so I have to sit on the floor. So there are like grown women in this room who are sitting on the floor because they're not a mother. Who came up with this fuck shit? So now I'm sitting on the floor and they're talking and I'm just sitting there. And then it happens. His mother turns to me and over the volume of the room says, So Amanda, what do you want with my son? Luckily, I wore a turtleneck. I hid in my turtleneck, gathered myself, and then I peeled away the turtleneck from my face and retorted, well, since I am the TA for both of your son's classes and grade his papers and mark his attendance, I think the real question is, what does your son want from me? I was not invited back. (laughs) I mean, it was just like, how do you do that? Why would you even put somebody on the spot like that? Like, why? What is the gain? What is the win? It's just rude and nasty. And later he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And do you know his mother had the nerve to say that I caused it? Yeah. Shitty. Shitty shattery. And when he was in the hospital for the third time, who did he call? Amanda. And he was like, you know what? I just can't figure out why I keep ending up back here. And he's like, I just feel like if I can just smoke weed and not have a relapse, then it won't mean, then it will mean that I'm not crazy. I'm like, but you are crazy. So like, that's just what it is. It's the same way that like, if you are diabetic, you can't eat sugar like that. It don't matter how much you try to eat sugar. Like this is what it is. And we all have things that are just what it is and it fucking sucks, but it's just the reality. And the sooner that we face it and we adjust to it, the better off we'll be able to salvage kind of like our happiness and contentment in life. And he was like, yo, no one's been that straight up with me about it. I'm like, yeah, well, people want to pussyfoot around it, but you know, you're crazy and it's fine. It's a beautiful thing. This is, this is your, this is your story and this is your journey and you know, the sooner that people stop trying to act like you need to be something else, then the better off you'll be because they, they don't want you to hurt. So that's where they're coming from. They don't want you to hurt. So they're trying to like act like shit is normal. It's not normal. This is a different situation, but you can end the hurt by stopping to try and make someone feel like they need to be something different than what they are. They cannot change the situation. So as much as you want it to not be, I'm digressing, but this is the type of room I was walking into in Thanksgiving, had no idea. Had no idea. Had no idea. 
So that is a precautionary tale to everybody, which says, have your clapbacks ready. Because just because it's holiday season doesn't mean it can't go down. This has been such a fun episode. I have truly, really enjoyed this episode. And I hope that you guys did too. I mean, I really didn't really think about like how much kind of like solution finding there would have to be in this one. But there really is because the holidays is such an overwhelming time, not just in positive ways, but also in negative ways too. I mean, and sometimes it can be a trigger. Like if you lost somebody at this time of year in particular, then that means every time of year that this comes around, it's not just like that you have to remember it, but you're reminded of it. Right. It's like the, the lights go up then, and you immediately are reminded, like, I lost someone I love at this time of year. And I can't imagine what that must feel like. I can't imagine even just having to deal with having lost somebody. And now this time of year that you m- may have usually spent with them, you don't get to spend it with them. I can't imagine that. And to anybody going through that, I empathize with you. And I hope that, you know, The memories that you have of them this year are easier to bear and bring you more joy than pain and bring you more um, warmth than hurt. And for those of you all who are gathering with family, you know, try and go easy on folks. People... People are people and it's it's a doozy of a time. For those of y'all who don't have family, don't feel, try your best not to let the holiday uh, just like smother you with loneliness that is um, almost like seemingly unavoidable. Distract yourself, you know, get out the house, watch some shit that that you love, that makes you laugh um, and, and engage in some things that, that you have fun engaging in. And, um, but at the end of the day, I hope everybody finds themselves um, at a place of peace and a place of serenity as we venture into this new year, 2019, which is going to have its own joys, triumphs, slings, arrows, pitfalls, etc. And uh, to all of you, a good night. Oh my God, before we go, I totally forgot to list this as one of the best Christmas albums of all time. Jacob Miller's A Natty Christmas. It is all reggae songs. I mean, it is literally like one of the best things you've ever heard in your life. Here's a sample. I wish you a Christmas. 